Lord, fill us up, God, with more of you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. is called the Passover, and the chief priests and the scribes are seeking how to put him to death, for they feared the people. Then Satan entered into Judas, called Iscariot, who was of the number of twelve. He went away and conferred with the chief priests and officers how he might betray him to them, and they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he consented and sought an opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of a crowd. Amen. Well, good morning, church. How are you guys? Right on. We want to say good morning to you guys over in Heber and those of you joining online. We are glad that you're here Welcome. It is such a blessing to be able to gather in this place as, as one church across many locations and worship together as one body. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab that. Get that open to Luke chapter 22. We just uh, read the text here this morning. And um, man, Judas, Judas, Judas. Like, what do we do with that guy, right? I'm not gonna lie, like as I, as I was studying for this passage, when I, when I first heard when, when Pastor Ernie was like, hey, can you preach on this? I was like, all right, yeah, awesome. And then I, I read it and I was like, okay, cool, great. Uh, satanic possession, betrayal, greed, selfishness. That's encouraging for the church, right? And while I could certainly preach on all of those things out of this passage, and it would be appropriate for me to do so, as I studied through it this week and uh, really was praying through it, I felt that it was more important to examine where Judas missed the mark. Where Judas missed the mark. Where did, where did he go wrong? And then how can we as the church pursue a different life, right? A life that is worthy of Jesus, and so that's going to be the focus and the thrust of the sermon here this morning, a life that is worthy of Jesus. And so we're going to hold Judas up in contrast to the life that God has called us to live. And we're going to examine three ways in which Judas missed the mark. You see, Judas didn't just stumble into this place of, of, of greed and betrayal and, and satanic influence he didn't accidentally betray Jesus. See, there was a lack of preparation and a lack of readiness on his part. Pastor Ernie said last week that a ready person doesn't need to get ready, right? And, and so Judas never got ready. He walked with Jesus personally and face to face for three years and still he didn't properly prepare his heart. He never truly allowed Jesus to change his character, he never truly committed his life to Jesus, and he never truly engaged in that discipleship community with the other 11 disciples. And so he's the perfect picture of what it looks like to be in the church and not be a part of the church. He's the picture of what it looks like to be with Jesus, but not actually know Jesus. 
This dude preached the gospel. He cast out demons. He did all of the things, but it was all external rather than internal. And so he's a reminder to us that that preparation of the heart is critically important to our walk with Jesus. Amen? And so Judas, unprepared and unaware, left the door of his heart wide open and unguarded, and Satan walked right in. Listen, the fact that we have this word here this morning is a good thing, right? Like it might seem heavy at first, but this is a good thing. This is God's blessing to us to, to, to remember, man, this guy and to not make the same mistakes that he did. I think it was John Calvin that said uh, that every seed of sin that is sown by man exists in my own heart. And so we can look at Judas and we can say, man, this guy. But the reality is that, that, that we all, we've all got this seed of sin in our own hearts. And so we need to learn from Judas. And so my hope this morning is that every single one of us would lean into the scripture, right? God is for us. He is for us. And he wants to mold us and he wants to shape us into the image of his son so that we can live a life that is worthy of Jesus a life that's worthy to be called God's man or God's woman. And so what I wanna do this morning, uh, my main point is simply this, that a life that's worthy of Jesus is a life of godly character. It's a life of godly commitment and it's a life of godly community. All right, that's the main point. A life that is worthy of Jesus is a life that is marked by godly character, commitment, and community. Judas missed this, but I don't want us to miss this. And so let me pray for us, and then we'll dive right in. <sighs> Father in heaven, God, we're just so thankful for you. God, we're thankful for your word. God, we're thankful, Lord, that you, that you lead us and that you guide us. And so lead us and guide us through your word here this morning, I pray. Lord, that you would be on display and that we'd walk out of here different than we walked in this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the context of chapter 22 here is, is um, it begins in verse one with what is called the passion narrative. And that's just a fancy way of saying that Luke is starting to talk about Jesus's betrayal and his arrest and his suffering and the cross and ultimately the resurrection of Jesus from the grave. And so Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's about to celebrate the Passover with his disciples. The chief priests and the scribes are still trying to figure out how they're gonna kill Jesus without upsetting the crowds of people who have been following him around. And up to this point, they have not been able to trip Jesus up in something that he said. They've not been able to catch him in one of his teachings uh, saying something or doing something that would give them an opportunity to arrest him and put him to death. So enter Judas, verse three. Says that Satan entered Judas. That's a scary passage, right? John chapter 13 also remarks that Satan entered into Judas. And it says actually specifically that, that Satan put it into the heart of Judas to betray Jesus. Now we hear this and immediately we have like tons of questions, right? Like how can this happen to one of Jesus's guys? 
Uh, this, was, this wasn't just some random you know, member of the crowd. This is one of uh, Jesus's 12 disciples hand-picked. Like, how did this happen? If this can happen to, to, to Judas, then, then we gotta ask the question, well, what about me, right? What about me? If Satan can just walk into Judas and own the place, I mean, can he do that to me? And then we gotta ask, man, was Judas even saved? was even a, a believer. Thankfully, I, I think that Jesus answers this question and all the questions that I just asked for us in John six sixty four. He's preaching on the Holy Spirit and eternal life. And Jesus says, listen, there are some of you here who do not believe. John remarks that Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And so I think it's safe to say that Judas did not believe in Jesus. He didn't believe that Jesus was who he said that he was. He, he didn't believe in Jesus's mission. And because he didn't believe, he didn't repent. And because he didn't repent, he left his heart wide open for Satan to come in and take influence. It's an interesting note back in Luke chapter four, after the temptation of Jesus, it says that when Satan had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. We don't see Satan again until this verse. Judas gave the devil an opportunity and he took it. This reminds us we say this a lot around here, that the enemy will fill any space left between you and Jesus. He will fill any space left between you and Jesus, which is why it's so important that we are living lives that are worthy of Jesus, which leads me to our first point here this morning. A life worthy of Jesus is a life that is marked by godly character. A life worthy of Jesus is a life marked by godly character. It's no secret that Judas lacked godly character. His fellow disciple John describes him as greedy and a thief, someone who didn't even care about the poor. He was selfish. He had no love for his fellow disciples and certainly no love for Jesus. This lack of godly character was one of the reasons that Satan was so easily able to walk into his heart and influence him so easily. See, there are certain virtues, certain characteristics that mark the true follower of Jesus. The apostle Peter describes these characteristics. He says this, he says, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. He says, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and your election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an in, in, in entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Godly character is a non-negotiable 
for Christians. It is a non-negotiable. If we're gonna live lives that are worthy of Jesus, then we have to pursue these character qualities, right? Peter says to practice them. These qualities, these, this faith, this virtue, this knowledge, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, love. Galatians adds even more. He calls them the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These stand as the code of conduct for Christianity. It is our ethos. Now, you might be asking the question, what the heck is that? What, it, what is an ethos? And I think that Stephen Pressfield really puts it well in his book, The Warrior Ethos. He says, the dictionary defines ethos as the moral character, nature, and disposition and customs of a people or culture. He says the warrior ethos is a code of conduct. No one is born with the warrior ethos. The warrior ethos is taught through persistent instruction in almost all cultures by a regimen of training and discipline. The ethos of Christianity, the moral character, the nature, the disposition, the code of conduct, the custom of Christianity is godly character. It takes work, it takes effort, it requires practice. We have to train for it, we have to be disciplined in it. It's not something that just happens to you. This is why the apostle Paul challenges Timothy, his disciple, to, he says, train yourself in godliness. Train yourself in godliness. Why? Because it's of every value, it's value in every way as it holds the promise of the present life, but also the life to come. See, those who live lives that are worthy of Jesus are those whose lives are marked by godly character. Judas missed this. He missed this in a big way. He allowed the desires of the flesh, right? Greed and selfishness to captivate his heart and his mind and lead, and that led to his betrayal of Jesus through satanic influence, French and Swiss reformer and theologian John Calvin in his commentary on this passage says this. He says, we see in this mirror, this passage, how great is the blindness of wicked desires and how powerfully they fascinate the mind. Now it'd be wrong of me if I didn't acknowledge that all of this, this godly character that he is calling us to it would be wrong to not acknowledge the work of the Holy Spirit in this, right? We can't be these types of people without the Spirit's power in us. But don't get it wrong. We can't just sit aside and just let the Spirit lead. That's not how it works. We still have to pursue it. The Spirit leads as we take action. Romans 8, 5 says that those who live by the Spirit do what? Those who live according to the spirit do what? They set their minds. They set their minds on the things of the spirit. So we have to set our mind. We have to discipline our thoughts. We have to train our mind over and over and over and over and over again. 
This is how we achieve the godly character that we're called to. The mind leads the body every single time. You conquer the mind and you conquer the body. Drive sin from your mind by driving in the spirit and you will live a life that is worthy of Jesus. A life marked by godly character. The warrior ethos goes on. He says, at a deeper level, this warrior ethos recognizes that each of us as well has enemies inside himself, vices and weaknesses like envy, greed, selfishness, laziness, the capacity to lie and cheat and do harm to our brothers. But the tenets of the warrior ethos directed inward inspire us to contend against and defeat those enemies within our own hearts. See, being a disciple of Jesus isn't something that just happens to you. It's something that you pursue and so pursue a deep relationship with the Holy Spirit through the word of God. See, Judas found himself in a place where selfish greed became more important to him than his relationship with Jesus. He didn't put in the effort to pursue a life of godly character and that led to his downfall. And so let Judas stand in contrast to our lives as believers, amen? Well, life worthy of Jesus is marked by godly character. It's also a life that is marked by godly commitment. It's a life marked by godly commitment. For Judas, Jesus was just an accessory to his life. He didn't believe that Jesus was worth committing his life to. And so when the opportunity arose for something better, it says that Judas went away. He went away and he conferred with the chief priests and the officers how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and they agreed to give him money. A handful of money was more appealing to Judas than being a disciple of Jesus. He showed himself to be unworthy of Jesus. He lacked the commitment to follow him with all of his heart and with all of his mind. And the sad reality of this betrayal is that uh, he was, he betrayed Jesus with 30 pieces of silver, right? That's like a couple of days Wages. He was going to use that money and then it would have been gone like that. There's a, there's a scene in the movie The Matrix. Uh, and that's from way back in 1999. If you haven't seen it, you'll probably never see it. I don't know. Maybe you'll see it. I recommend you see it. But anyways, there's a scene in the movie, uh, The Matrix, where the, uh, there's these freedom fighters, right? And they're, and they're fighting their, for, their, for, for their freedom from the, from the robots and the, and the false reality of The Matrix. And uh, one of the freedom fighters decides, man, I don't, I don't really, I'm not really into this whole thing, right? He regrets uh, ever leaving The Matrix. He's not committed. He's not bought into the mission here. Uh, and so he sets up a meeting with the bad guys, uh, inside the matrix where he consents to betraying his friends over a steak dinner inside this false reality. And while he's eating this steak, he's like, listen, 
I mean, I know that the matrix is, is telling me my, you know, my, my mind that this steak that I'm eating right now that's not real uh, is juicy and delicious. But, he, but he's like, you know what? Ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is bliss. And so he betrays his friends, right? He murders half of them and the rest he turns over to the baddies. But there's a reality in this for us as followers of Jesus, right? There's something that we perceive as better. Something, something that we might think is better is always gonna come along and challenge our commitment to Jesus. That's just the reality of it. Whether it's money or sex or power, control, authority, title, prestige, all of that is nothing more than a steak dinner in a false reality. This is God's world. This is his cosmos. He created it to live, for us to live in according to his laws and his good plan. That's our reality. And so our challenge is to live lives that are worthy of Jesus by being men and women who are committed to him. Those whose lives are marked by godly commitment are all in for Jesus. They're all in for Jesus. There's no second guessing. There's no doubt. There's no hanging on to Jesus while I look for something better. And listen, there's gonna be times when our commitment to Jesus is challenged. And there's gonna be times when we don't live up to that commitment, right? There's times like that in my life. Peter denied Jesus three times. All of the rest of the disciples scattered when Jesus was arrested. And listen, when, when our commitment is challenged and we don't live up to it, listen, there's grace for that. There's grace. But you see, Judas's problem was that he was never truly committed to Jesus in the first place. He didn't just have a moment of weakness where sin got the best of him. He just wasn't all in for Jesus. And so we need to be committed to being all in for Jesus. We also need to be committed to being all in to Jesus's mission. And listen, that means there's gospel work for us to do. Every single one of us, there is gospel work for us to do. A life worthy of Jesus is a life that is committed to making disciples of Jesus Christ, right? That's our mission, to train and equip whole, complete disciples of Jesus Christ. That's not just my job as a discipleship pastor here at the church. That's your job, all of our job is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. It is to this end that we are disciplined and decisive and diligent and determined. It's to be able to say with the Apostle Paul in Colossians 1, him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. He says, to this end I labor. Striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. To be committed to the mission is to be disciplined and diligent. It's something that we're determined that we're going to live for and something that we are willing to die for. And so I have to ask a question for you. Is discipleship something that you are willing to live for? Are you willing to give your life for it? There's a book that I read recently. It's called... 
Gates of Fire. It's about the 300 Spartans at Thermopylae. It's a great book. Um, don't leave it laying around the house because it's intense. But uh, I, I love the way that it illustrates commitment to mission. And towards the end of the book, during the Spartans' last day and their last stand against the Persian, it quotes King Leonidas saying this to his men. This is so good. He says, by our deaths here with honor in the face of these insuperable odds, we transform vanquishment into victory. With our lives, we sow courage into the hearts of our allies and our brothers and of our armies left behind. They are the ones who will ultimately produce victory, not us. Our role today is to stand and to die. He says, that we have sworn and that we will perform. That's commitment. That is commitment. And that's the call of Christianity. To become a Christian is to enroll yourself in the academy of discipline and sacrifice. It's to sow courage into the hearts of your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's to, it's, to, it's to multiply the gospel in the hearts of other men and women. That's the mission that we have sworn ourselves to. And listen to me, look at me, that we will perform, amen? That we will perform every single one of us. I don't know about you, but I'm amped right now, right? Like, let's go. Like, I'm ready to get it. I don't know, man, if that doesn't stir up a passion in your heart and soul for discipleship, then I don't know if I can help you. <laughs> this is important. And so I want you all to look at me. You're not Judas. All right? You're not Judas. You are warriors of the living God, here to make more and better warriors of the living God. That's your purpose. You are not Judas, but you still have the decision, man, to walk out of those doors and choose to be Judas. But right here, right now, as you sit in this room, you are not Judas. You are warriors of the living God. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. To live a life that is worthy of Jesus is to commit your life to his mission. And so the life that we live as believers, is not a half in life, it's an all in life. It's a fully committed life. And so we gotta choose to live it and to breathe it. Well, a life that's worthy of Jesus is marked by godly character, it's marked by godly commitment, and finally, it's a life that is marked by godly community. We read in verses four, five, and six that Jesus conferred, it says, with the chief priests and the officers. That word conferred, it carries the, the notion of communion. 
And so Judas, filled with Satan, communed and engaged with the religious leaders and the officers, the the religious leaders and the political leaders, how he might betray Jesus. This is more than just an abstract business deal for Judas. There's community involved here. There was engagement and communion between him and the enemies of God because they shared something in common that allowed them to commune together as one. And that's a disregard and a disdain and a disrespect for Jesus. And so Judas chose to leave behind his brothers in Christ and instead pursued community among the enemies of God. It's clear that even though Judas was of the number of the 12, he wasn't really engaged. He wasn't committed to that community. He didn't give Jesus and the other disciples his heart and his life. It was all for show and it led to his destruction. Edward Blakelock comments on this idea. He says this, to be numbered with a group can be of small significance, but it's sympathy, love, and fellowship which bind a man to his fellows. Judas had long been alien in heart. There was no sympathy, no love, no fellowship to bind Judas to his fellow disciples or to bind him to Jesus. There was no relationship. There was no community. He was nothing more than a member of the crowd, someone to just warm a seat in the synagogue. Listen, this reminds us how important it is for us to be engaged, involved, and partnered with other believers in community. And listen, by, by community, I'm not talking Sunday mornings. Like what we're doing right now is not what I'm talking about. This doesn't count as your godly community here. This is the crowd, right? And so, and so like, like I can't shape and form your heart into uh, the image of Jesus in this space, right? Like I can, I, I can inspire you and I can encourage you and I, and, I can, and I can, you know, rally the troops and I can say, man, we're gonna go out and we're gonna conquer the world and I can tell you what hill we're gonna take and I can tell you what the enemy looks like. But I can't form and shape your heart in this space. I don't know you that well. And you need people who know you that well. And so it's our community groups and our Bible studies and our classes that shape and form us into men and women of character and commitment. We got two amazing Bible studies that are happening right now, right? The men have one on Monday nights and they're studying the, 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 the minor prophets. And so if you're a man in this room and you're not engaged in that, then what are you doing? Come on, let's get engaged in this. That is a great study. Marv wrote it uh, and Bob Fries wrote it and they put in a lot of work and a lot of effort. It is good stuff. It is good stuff. And then for you ladies, there's a, there's a Bible study right now going on on Monday nights 
by Jen Wilkin on the Sermon on the, on the Mount. And listen to me, look at me. Jen Wilkin is like the theological giant right now. Right, like I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a theologian on the planet that can outsmart that woman. I mean, she is amazing. And so take advantage of that. Had Judas chosen to actively engage as a follower of Jesus, his life might have ended up a little different. He might have had the, the character and the commitment necessary to be a faithful disciple of Jesus. Instead, he refused to engage. He chose to become a passive spectator and he left his heart and his mind open for Satan to walk right in. And so that means we have to be a people marked by godly community. Again, can't be content with Sunday only Christianity. Your role here at the church, every single one of you is way bigger than 40 minutes on a Sunday morning. You're only gonna get out of this thing what you put in. And if I'm only putting in 40 minutes on a Sunday morning, I'm, I'm not gonna be that effective in discipleship. Listen, we got hills to take, man. We got disciples to make. And on top of all of that, Revelation 12 says that Satan is looking to devour us. And so we need, we are in desperate need of godly community. You walk out of those doors ready to take on the world without any community, you're gonna get your teeth kicked in, right? We're gonna get beat. We need each other. This life is a brutal and relentless fight. And it's why I am convinced that Christianity is a warrior culture, right? We're not just, we're not just rainbows and unicorns over here, man. We all need brothers and sisters to fight alongside us and we gotta make that a priority. There's a role for you in God's kingdom. There's something that you have to perform. And so the question is, what is it? What is your role? What's your part here and are you doing it? This is again from the book Gates of Fire describing the power of the Spartan phalanx which is their military formation. It's a unified community of warriors working as one. Listen to this, this is incredible. It says, to behold one's brothers likewise rallying, not in a frenzy of mad possession driven abandoned, but with order and self-composure, each man knowing his role and rising to it, drawing strength from him as he draws it from them. In that moment, the phalanx forms a unity so dense and so all divining that it performs not merely at the level of a machine or an engine of war, but surpassing all of that to the state of a single organism, a beast of one blood and heart. That is what our God is calling us to here as the church. To become a beast of one blood and heart. Look around this room for a minute. Look around, it's okay. Look around. I know all you introverts are like, I ain't gonna do it. I'm not making eye contact. This is the body of Christ. 
This is what Jesus died on that cross for. He shed his blood for this one body and his blood is coursing through our veins. We gotta be a beast of one blood and one heart. And that means you have a part to do and you have to do it because if you're not doing your part, that leaves us open and vulnerable. We got work to do. And so my prayer is not that we would just be 700 strong in number, but that each and every one of us would rally together, that we would know our part in this church and that we would rise to it. That there would be a partnership and a unity among us that is so dense and so, so strong that we would truly begin to operate as a single unified body, that body that he shed his blood for. We go it alone and we become Judas. We stand together and we become the body of the living God. And so that's what it means to live a life of godly community and that's where Judas failed. He didn't engage, he didn't make it a priority, but you and I have the opportunity today to make a different choice, right? Praise the Lord for that. Well, a life worthy of Jesus is a life marked by godly character, commitment, and community. So what do we do about this? You might be sitting here and you're like, man, I'm ready to like storm the gates of hell right now, but I don't even know the first step. And so if that's you, I got three things I want you to do this week. I want you to read 2 Peter chapter 1, verses five through 11, there we go, read that. Choose one character trait that you're gonna pursue this week, right? Like it could be tempting to be like, I'm gonna be all of these things right now. Just choose one, start small and pursue that character trait this week. I want you to commit to finding a place to serve. And I want you to join an intentional discipleship group, Bible study, or class. Lastly, I think it's important to remember that even though Judas betrayed Jesus, this didn't take God by surprise. This was a part of his plan. This was a part of his ultimate redemption of his people. It's set in moment, even though the betrayal of Judas set in motion the arrest and the subsequent death of Jesus, we cannot forget that it was ordained by God. It didn't happen by accident. Jesus knew that he was gonna be, be betrayed and he still marched to that cross so that you could have eternal life. And that's good news. That is good news. And so I hope that this inspires us to live lives that are worthy of Jesus. I hope it inspires us to live lives of godly character and commitment and community. One more story for you. This comes out of the book, Virtues of War. There's this conversation between Alexander the Great and one of his officers on the eve of battle. And the officer says this to Alexander. He says, knowing your eye is on them, sir, 
all men will compete furiously in valor, seeking to win your good opinion, which will mean more to them than their very lives. Furthermore, you, Lord, by fighting at the forefront will inspire all to surpass themselves. Each will feel shame to be called Alexander's man and not prove worthy of such fame. Far beyond King Alexander, we have a greater king, don't we? And we have a great God who is worthy, who goes before us, who, who for the joy set before him, stormed the cross. He is worth following. He died in our place. He rose to life in victory and he sits right now enthroned in the heavens. May we be Christians that live with our God and King in view. May we be furiously pursue godliness knowing that he, his eye is on us. And may we strive after that day when we walk through those doors and, and we hear him say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Maybe, may we be men and women who are worthy of our God. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, God, you're so good, so faithful, so glorious, God, so worthy. You're worth following. And so I pray, Lord, lead us. Give us the discipline and the drive to pursue you with all of our character, to commit to you with all of our lives and to love you in community. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Doesn't that pump you guys up? I mean, come on. Woo. You know, it just reminds me of 300 when he 